there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Eternity isn't reserved for after death. The feeling of eternity enters self-remembering. The problem for us is that the feeling of eternity enters self-remembering, but it doesn't enter self-observation. And most of our time and effort is spent in self-observation for a long time. How long? I don't know. Maybe a half or three quarters. But what's a half or three quarters of a lifetime of work? What does that mean in eternity? What is a lifetime? What is the span of life? Let's say 80, 90 years. 70, between 70 and 90 years. Is that how, how long people live these days? Between 70 and 90 years. That's a little frightening, isn't it? What is that in eternity? It's not even a breath. It's not a blink. It's nothing. And yet for us, it's everything. But it's everything for us because we're here in time, not because we're there in eternity. And yet at the same time, we are there in eternity, but we only know that we're here in time because that with which we identify is here in time. That that we are is there in eternity, which is also here in time. Eternity is here in passing time. It just doesn't pass with time. It remains eternally here now. We observe personality in passing time because personality was formed by life. And life is occurring in passing time. It's like a film. If you go to the theater to see a film, people took cameras and on the film, the film went through the camera, it moved like 29 frames per second. The camera shutter went click, 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 29 times per second and took 29 pictures every second. And as those frames, those pictures, are moved at 29 frames per second, it gives the illusion of passing time. When you roll that film up and put it in a film can, it can be a three-hour or a ten-hour movie. It doesn't matter. But it can all be rolled up and put in one film can and held in one moment. But if you string it out, it's still all held in one moment. Only when you play it, at 29 frames per second, does it give the illusion of passing time. So we observe personality in passing time because it was formed by life, which is passing time for us. That's what our life is. All of our life exists in time, in the past, in the present, and in the future. It's all there, just like the film in the film can. But only when it's stretched out do we start to experience it one frame at a time. And it gives us the illusion of passing time. But the truth is, time isn't passing, it just is. Just like the truth about that film rolled up in that can is, it's not really time, it's just a roll of film with a lot of different pictures on it. And if you could somehow get beyond the roll of film, get above the roll of film in the can, the can of film, and you could just see all those pictures all at once, hear all that sound all at once, experience all of, take all of that in all at once, but we can't. And why is it that we can't? Because we live in passing time. But there is a place where all of that is all happening now. 
not in passing time. Who you are, your essence, the real of you, the essential you, is the door to that place where that whole thing can be experienced right now. But for our minds, you see, it just doesn't work. We say, but, but it wouldn't make any sense, all those pictures all at once. Wouldn't make any sense, all that sound all at once. It would just be this noise. Yes, to us now, with the minds that we have, with the ability to perceive that we have. But there was a time when, if you had told people walking around on this planet, oh yeah, there's going to be jet airplanes, and you know, they'll just fly from ocean, from one continent to another in a matter of hours. They would have said, well, how will they do that? Well, they'll just, you know, fly in airplanes. And then if someone had said, a hundred years before that or a thousand years before that, oh, well, there will be people who will be walking up there on the moon. Oh, and you see that bright light up there in the sky at night? They'll be, we're going to send people there, too. It's called Mars. They're planning now to send people there. Now, I tell you, they're going to send a man to Mars. You say, yeah, probably. But see, a thousand years ago, no one could even conceive that as a, as a real possibility. And even if they could dream it, they couldn't really comprehend it. Like, how would it happen? Like, how would you build an airplane? How would you build a spaceship? How would you get it out of the atmosphere? What's an atmosphere? What's a spaceship? They wouldn't know. How far is that light up there? I thought it was just stuck up there in the ceiling. There. I thought that was just something on the ceiling, a light in the ceiling that, that God put there. It's just a little light screwed in there. The angels come along and they unscrew them when they go out and they screw them back in. They do all that during the day when we can't see it. People thought like that. The way we think now about consciousness is as primitive and as naive as their scientific thoughts were thousands of years ago. But their consciousness was not as primitive and as naive as ours is now. So we have made a big trade. We have traded everything for, well, we've traded the bridge for some glass beads. We traded what was valuable for this. But let's not get into that value judgment thing because people get crazy and they like to beat themselves up over that. But we are where we are and we're not where we're not. So we have to deal with what we have. Different eyes in personality have appeared at different periods of time. There are eyes that you have in you that appeared when you were a child, and they have not grown one bit since they appeared. They're still just as childish, just as stuck, just as dreamy, or just as hurt, or just as excited as they were the moment they appeared. Nothing's happened to them. They're just still there in will call, waiting for something to come along and go, and then they wake up and they go into action. And what do they do? Whatever they did when they first appeared. If you've ever wondered why you keep on doing the same things over and over again, that's why. Because they hear the and they answer the door. Well, that knocks for me. Someone's here for me. Phone call for you. Oh, it's for you. Oh, it's for me. Oh, well, I guess I better, I've been waiting all these years, I guess I, or all these moments, or whatever it's been. <laughs> I better get out there and answer the door and, and, and you know, it's showtime. It's my moment on the stage. It's my time in the limelight. And they go out there for however long they can hold the stage, hold the light, and do their shtick. Essence isn't of passing time. It's not temporary. These eyes are temporary. How long they can be on stage is just temporary. We don't have one that can stay. If you think you do, it's because you haven't been observing yourself. And you don't think you do because the moment that you think you do and someone says, if you think you do, you haven't been observing yourself and you start to remember what you have observed. Even though you're not observing yourself. I'm right, you're not observing yourself now. But even though you're not observing yourself, when somebody reminds you of when you did observe yourself, you get a picture, a memory of what happened when you did observe yourself and you say, 
That's right. I said I was going to be able to, I was, oh, this is a wonderful state of mind. I'm going to stay here. And you did. For however many nanoseconds, you were able to stay there. And then some other eye heard the and went running to the door and took over. Self-remembering isn't about personality. It's about something prior to personality that is only reached through essence. Self-observation is about personality. It's about observing personality. But self-remembering is not about personality. It's about remembering something that existed before personality, that predates personality. And so this is why we say it's not temporal, because it's always there. But, but why don't I always know it? Well, why don't you always know anything? Why don't I always know what I want to know? What is wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with me, but the mind that I'm using is absolutely out of control. I'm not in charge of it. Oh, but of course you are. Well, of course I'm in charge of my mind. Look, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Yes, but what about all the things you can't do? Well, I could if I wanted to. Let me remind you of times that you've observed yourself. Remember what you have observed. Remember that you can't do. Remember that you're not one. Remember that you can't say I to something and keep it there. Remember that. That's all. I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm asking you to remember, to dredge up from your own work memory the pictures and the experience of your own observations. These are things that you have told me. I'm not telling you anything. You have seen these things. You have found these. All I'm asking you to do is remember them. Remembering ourselves in personality is different from remembering something that isn't in personality. When we remember ourselves in personality, it strengthens personality by saying, this is I instead of, this is not I. And this is such a subtle little difference, but this is one of the things we fall into again and again. We start to observe something in personality, but we think we're it. What do we call that? Identification. We get identified with it, and what we're really saying when we get identified with it is saying, this is I. And the thing that we're supposed to be doing, what real self-remembering is, is saying, this is not I. What I'm seeing now isn't, isn't I, but that's not what we do. More often than not, what we do is we identify with it, say I to it. The trick is to slowly shift our center of gravity from saying I to the things that we observe in the personality to saying this is not I. And it's like the sand in an hourglass. Let's say we film sand falling from the top of the hourglass to the bottom of the hourglass. That's what happens, right? Okay. We're still on the same planet together. So that's what happens on this planet. The sand falls from the top of the hourglass to the bottom of the hourglass. The hourglass is called an hourglass because it takes an hour for the sand to fall from the top to the bottom once it starts. Now, if you've got a three-minute egg timer, it's called a three-minute egg timer. Sand, do you remember, anybody remember those? You, they used to have, and this, you know, it was a little egg timer, and you turned it over, and in three minutes, all the sand was out of the top and was in the bottom, and you knew it was time to turn the eggs off. All kinds of things could be timed that way. They could have a timer for everything. You could have an egg timer, you could have a cow timer, you could have a baby timer, you could have an hourglass, you could have all these things. The sand would fall. Now, if we filmed that at 29 frames per second, we don't have to do that now because we have computers and digital stuff to chop things up. Now we can chop things up very small. Are they really chopped up? No, no, not at all. Is an hour really chopped up? No, it's all imaginary. Well, if you chop an hour up into, into four parts, what have you got? you got four quarters. A quarter makes up 15 minutes. A minute is chopped up into 60 seconds. So we've got all the, and it's all imaginary. None of it is real. Nothing in time really is like that. 
That's just not how it is. But we have it chopped up like that so that we can play this game, watch this movie, be here in it. See, we didn't want to just watch the movie. We thought, I want to be a movie star. And here we are in our own feature film, in our own drama. And it's all happening to us. And we have forgot that we are the observer. And this work is about trying to help us to remember what we have forgotten. This that we're in isn't the real I. The real I is the one who is running the projector. The real I is the one who's observing the whole thing, observing the whole movie house, observing the projector, observing the film, observing the projectionist, observing all the players, observing the whole thing. But we're not in touch with that. But we can get in touch with that, and that's called self-remembering. When we say I to the wrong thing, we give it power over us, and then we don't separate from it. So if we're saying I to the characters and the things that we're seeing, the eyes that we're seeing in the film in passing time, 29 frames per second, if we say I to something in that, we lose track of who we really are, where we really are in eternity, outside of time, looking at the whole thing in a can. Life makes us identify with personality for a very good reason. Life has formed personality. Life has built personality. Personality cannot exist without life. You predate personality. You predate your body. You predate your conception. Some people remember that, but we don't believe them because we can't. Any more than, than the ancients could believe that somebody was going to go to Mars and walk around on it. What, are you kidding me? It's a light bulb in the ceiling, you idiot. It's a light in the ceiling. You can't walk on that. It's just a light. God put it there so, so we, he could entertain us at night. We'd have something to do. We'd look up there and remember it. Say, oh, isn't he wonderful? He, he made all these lights for us to remember him. So life makes us identify with personality because life points us. It's like a funnel. Life is like a funnel. And here we are, whew, swirling around the edge of the funnel. And it's just a matter of time till we drop down. If we keep swirling around in that funnel, it's just, just like the, the, the hourglass. It's just a matter of, okay, this sand may be on top right now. But sooner or later, it's going to be on the bottom. Because gravity funnels all that sand down through that little aperture until it gets to the bottom, until it gets to the bottom. And then when there's no more sand to come down, it stops. With us, though, we just flip the hourglass. Well, it's not an hourglass. It's a life glass. It can take anywhere from 70 to 90 years to empty the sand out of that one. And what happens when it's empty? We flip it over and do it again. Do we do the same thing again? Well, I don't know. Did you do the same thing? Are you doing the same thing today you did yesterday? Well, of course you're not. You're here today, and you weren't here yesterday. So there's proof that you've grown. Okay, fine. What were you doing this time last week? Oh, more proof that you haven't grown. The groan was... Yeah. <laughs> I put the groan in groan. <laughs> but you see, you can't determine it by that. You can't determine it by... Were you here last week? Were you here last week? What do you mean, was I here? Was I sitting in a seat? Yes, I was sitting in a seat. Yes, but were you here? Well, where's here? Here is now. I was here in this now moment then. And I can remember here now then. And you remember the other thing I told you about when I was doing a, a, a thing with a microwave oven and a glass of measuring cup with water in it. And in the now, I dropped the measuring cup when I was taking it out of the microwave. But in the here, it was still in the microwave. So in the here, I took it out of the microwave and caught up with the now and dropped it. And it dropped in exactly the same way. And everything was exactly the same as it had happened in the now, whereas it was happening in the now except that the now hadn't gotten here yet, because I don't know why. There was some kind of a glitch in the projector, projector, projection, or, what, hello? Projector. Projector, thank you. <laughs> there was some kind of a glitch in the projector. And see, that's the problem. 
you get there and you try and talk here and things don't make sense. So somehow we have to learn how to take what's there and bring it here instead of taking what's here and instead of bringing what's here to there. We have it backwards. What we're doing is we're saying I to this. Life has drawn us through gravitational pull, the gravitational pull of life. It pulls on our, our time body. We have a time body, the body built by life in time. And it can be acted upon by gravity. And so it pulls us. The time body is pulled by life into life. And we say I to it. And we lose ourselves in the vortex of that sucking whirlpool of time that sucks us out of eternity into time. And the work is here to help us remember that we're not what we appear to be in time but that we are something that predates time, that predates the body, that predates this life, and that we can shift our attention to that and get our force from there instead of getting our force from life. Or actually having our force sucked by life, drawn off by life. The projector will not run without energy. It's got to have energy. Either somebody's got to be turning the crank or it's got to have electricity. It's got to have energy. That energy comes from force, life force, your life force. Your life force comes from outside of time. It comes from eternity. And as you identify with time, your life force is sucked out of eternity, and it makes the projector run. And here you are at 29 frames per second, or whatever. Don't get too caught up in the words, because if you start to ride the projector, you'll get poked by those little things that make the film roll around. You know, there's, a, there's perforations on either edge of the film, and that film is dragged around and dragged through across those gears, and you'll get poked, and you'll be dragged through and, and spooled. And you don't want to be spooled in life, trust me. You don't want to be spooled, because they take that spool, they put it in a can, and then they put it up on a shelf or put it in storage, now, we, those storage places are called cemeteries. <laughs> you don't want to be spooled just yet. You want to remember yourself first. So this work is to make us stop identifying with what life has formed and is doing to us now. You see, as it is, we are riding the projector. We're riding the film. But this work is about snapping us out of that, directing us to something else. Doesn't mean it will do it without our cooperation because we're self-developing organisms. We have free will. Free will meaning we have to do it. We have to consent to it. We have to participate. We have to sign on the dotted line. And we have signed on the dotted line. How many times have you signed on life's dotted line? Well, when I bought my car, when I bought my house, when I got married, when I did this, when I did that, and on and on and on and on and on. All the time saying yes to what life says you are. The work comes along and says, no. And when we're primitive, we say, they'll never put a man on the moon. There's no such thing as an airplane. No, there are no such, they can't do that. That's only, a, that's only a light in the ceiling. But as you begin to mature, you begin to see that there's a whole different world beyond the world of the five senses. Everything opens up and you see that this is the shoe box. And you've been wearing the shoe boxes instead of the shoes. You've been wearing the bag instead of the dress. The purest, subtlest feeling of I lies behind personality, behind the clamor of ambition, anxiety, violence, and negativity of its many eyes. The personality is made up of a multitude of eyes, each one claiming some bit of your life force from moment to moment, keeping you diverted from realizing who you really are from moment to moment. And let's face it, you're a willing participant. 
You go, yeah, oh, you choose eyes. It's like when you were a kid in high school or grade school and, and you were out in the play yard and it was time to choose teams. I'll take this guy. I want that one. You remember? It's like that's what we're doing. We're choosing eyes to be on our team. And we're trying to win the game. It's a film. You're being spooled. That's great. <laughs> that's, really, that's really good stuff. Good stuff comes out of nowhere. Into this feeling of I, this purest, subtlest feeling of I that lies behind personality, into this feeling of I, this one that I'm talking about, eternity enters at every moment in time. But the thing is that it enters from a different direction. It doesn't enter from the past, and it doesn't enter from the future. It enters from above. It enters at right angles to time. It enters from above into the now, not from the past, not from the future, on this horizontal line, but on this vertical line, from above, it enters into the now. So that at any moment, you don't have to wait until you get to a certain time and a certain place that you can remember yourself. You can only remember yourself now, which is why the personality in life spends so much time trying to snatch us away from now. Because if you remember yourself, you might quit playing now. And if you quit playing, it doesn't get your life force. And if it doesn't get your life force, it starts to wither and weaken and starve, which of course is what this work is about, which of course is exactly why life hates this work. It has to crucify it. It has to kill it. It has to put it to death. It's got to stone it. It's got to nail it. It's got to burn it. It's got to stop it somehow. Because if it doesn't, then it will stop. Because it started when you got here and it will end when you leave. What do you mean life will end? There will still be people here. Yeah, but you won't be here. So for you, it will not be until you turn the hourglass and start again. Through self-observation, our feeling of time broadens. As we observe the eyes, they're doing the same thing again and again that they've always done. So we begin to observe ourselves, right? We begin to observe the personality in time, the eyes in time. And at first, our, our, our now moment is such a short, brief moment. Now it's gone. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. But now begins to expand as we see that, wait, this same eye was over there. And here it is now. But it was now and it was there. So really we see it as just submerging and then surfacing again, submerging and surfacing again on this line of time. And so the timeline begins to broaden. Our now is not just a sliver. It now stretches. First it stretches back. But as we begin to become aware, it starts to stretch forward as well. We can see that that I will be back when that circumstances arises on the line of time in the future. And that I is still there on the line of time in the past. And it's still there on the line of time in the present. And it's still there in the line of time in the future. That I lives in time. That is not I. The hypnotism of life lessens as consciousness expands on this timeline. And we realize now is eternal, not just the snapshots that we've taken through the senses. As you begin to move up into this vertical line towards essence, you can look down on this horizontal timeline. And as you move back, you have more peripheral vision. You can see more of the line. So you can see more now. Don't think about this too much. Just let it settle. Think about it too much, you'll stop it. If you try to understand it, you'll gum up the projector. <laughs> you'll screw things up. Don't try too hard. Just let it be. The senses keep us blind to anything above personality. Buddy was outside the other day. I put him out in the backyard to get some exercise. Well, Buddy's only been in the backyard a couple of times, and it's never been without me, and it's always been on a leash because of the geese, because I don't want him chasing the geese, because he chased the geese one time. And I got him, and I said, don't chase the geese. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll never chase the geese again, and he hasn't, because Buddy's a good dog. And so I put him out there without a leash, and I went in the house. 
And Buddy's walking around out there. First he stuck his head under a bush. Uh, yeah. And he zoned for a while. And then he walked over to the sliding glass door down by the, the studio, and he stood there. And I came out on the deck, which of course is above the sliding glass door, and I yelled for him. And he looked in the door. And I yelled for him some more, and he looked all around. And the more I yelled, and I banged on the deck and jumped on the deck and screamed and yelled and waved my arms. He never looked up, because dogs don't look up. People look up. He never looked up. I could have stood there. I could be standing there now yelling for him, and he would not look up, because that's not what they do. But we do. We have a possibility that dogs don't have. We have the possibility of looking up. And if we look up right now, we can start to see our essence in eternity above us in this now moment. And if we look at it, we'll kind of get attracted to it. We'll get like beamed up, Scotty. It'll suck us up into itself. It'll suck us out of time. Now, do you feel that terror? Did you feel it? Did you feel the terror of being sucked out of time? No? Be aware of what's happening inside of you. Be aware of your sensations. Be aware of your emotions. There's a terror linked with being sucked out of time. Because where is life? In time. Our life is in time. You're sucked out of your life. What are you? Dead! I'm dead! He's trying to kill us! No, just the opposite. But that's one of the things that it uses to keep us glued to time. The source of essence is vertical to time. Our origin is not in time. It's not in the past. It's not on your birthday. <laughs> your origin is not your birthday in time, okay? It's beyond that. It's above that. It's hard to think like that. But you can get used to it if you try. Here's the deal. Light changes everything. And the first change needed is a change of mind. You can get used to it if you start to think about it. If you start to entertain these ideas, not, not grab them, not grasp them, not cling to them, but just start to entertain these ideas. Just start to entertain the possibility. If you can do that, subtly, slowly, your mind will begin to change. What if that light there that we see at night isn't a light in the dome over Earth? What if it isn't? What if there is no dome over Earth? What if that's space between us? What if that's not even calculable to us now, how much space it is? What if we can only guess how much space it is? What if we haven't learned how to measure light years yet? how long it takes light to get from one place to another, and how much distance light covers in a second, how many miles light covers. What if we haven't figured that out yet? Is it not there? Of course it's there. We just haven't figured it out yet. That's what I'm talking about. There are things we haven't figured out yet, but we can. But first we have to have the idea, and we have to start to become comfortable with the idea. But you see, the thing is that life is pulling on us. No, don't go there. Come with me. Everything you want is here. Don't go there. That's not real. This is real. You know this. And that's what life is doing. That's the hypnotism of life. And that's what it's doing. And everything we want is here in time. But we are not here in time. Not really. We're just being sucked into time. Out of. Our force is being sucked into time. We can't be sucked into time. But our force can. And we can identify with where our force is going. New understanding, thinking in a new way, is threatening. It's threatening to us and it's threatening to everyone around us in life. What you'll find is that as your understanding grows, your life will shrink. What does that mean? It means that as your understanding grows, your life will shrink. That's what it means. It means you will need less. Well, I don't want to need less. Then don't understand. It's just that simple. If you want to stay here in life, you're in the wrong seat. The seat in this bus isn't conducive to staying in life. The seat in this bus, see, there's a dome over this bus, glass dome. This is a convertible. We're about looking up. If you want to stay in life, then get on the dog bus where you never look up.
Get on the dog bus where you look either backwards, to the left, to the right, or down, but never look up. This is about looking up. This is about trying to get your attention up. New understanding is a powerful force, and it comes from new ideas. Those ideas must fall in good soil in order to bear fruit. Life recurs when we don't alter anything in ourselves. Why is it that if you take that egg timer, three-minute egg timer, and you turn it over, it takes three minutes for the sand to get to the bottom? And if you turn it over again, it takes three minutes for the sand to... Why is that? Because you haven't altered anything in it. All you've done is turn it over. You haven't altered anything in it. You alter something in there, and it changes everything. It changes everything. You just put a bigger grain of sand in there. <laughs> everything's changed all of a sudden. Just get a clog in there. Everything's changed. It doesn't take three minutes anymore. Everything's different. That's what new understanding is like. No growth of essence happens. What this work calls development is pure and simply a growth of essence. That's what development is. Development is not getting a fatter bank account. Development is not a new house, a new wife, a new kid, a new car, a new job, a better this or a better that. That's not development according to this work. That's just life. And there's nothing wrong with life. Just don't get sucked into it. Too late. We must separate in cold blood. We have to separate deliberately. When we feel eyes that lead to bad psychological places in us, it's not enough for us to say, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way it is. <laughs> well, fine, then that's the way it's going to stay. Well, but I thought if I observed it. Well, if you observe it from your personality, nothing's going to change. You need to observe it from self-remembering. You need to observe it from a different place. Don't go observing personality in personality. Observe personality from outside personality. Then you won't do that. Oh, well, it's just the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, how many years are you going to spend doing that? Just look at it this way. How many years have you spent doing that? Let's try not to spend any more doing that. This can't be done intellectually. It can't be done sentiment, but it can only be done practically. We move away from negative eyes by recalling observations that we've made previously on this negative state. You find yourself being called to. You hear the song. Man, that's my favorite song. I love that song. You know that one when you're the king of the house, everything you say goes. You're the man, you're the boss, you're the stud, you're the guy, you're the one, you're number one. Man, that's my favorite song. I love that song. You start to hear that song sung. And the next thing you know, you're following the choir. Oh, listen to that band, man, they're singing my song. And you're down the road and you're in that bad psychological state of negativity because you followed the song, because you love the song, and you followed those singing the song, and those singing the song were little negative eyes. And you went with them, and you find yourself down in there in that bad psychological state. You go, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm observing it. What could I do? That's the way it is. Okay. I'm trying to show you another way. I don't need another way. This is fine. Okay. You don't need me. So quit following me around because that's not what I'm talking about. And if that's what you're going to do, Quit following me around, because that's not what I'm talking about. So don't go around talking about, well, I know what he's talking about. No, you don't know. Not if you're doing that. If you're, following, if you're listening to that song and following those eyes and that band to that negative state, you're not doing what I'm talking about. Like I said, it can't be done intellectually or sentimentally. It's got to be done practically. Flashes of insight that led to understandings of the work remind us why we're working. They strengthen our aim. This is the first conscious shock, creating new force, giving us the power to not identify there's a great power in not identifying. Think of it. Hello? You have done it. You have not identified. I know you have. I, I've seen it. I've also seen the other. All right, I've seen a lot more of the other. I've seen you identify a lot more than I've seen you not identify. 
but I know you've not identified because I've seen that too. There's a power in that. And that power has set you free in that moment. Really free. And you were free indeed. But then you started listening to the songs again. But our flashes of insight that lead to understandings about how this work works. That's what remind us and strengthen our aim. Because life is powerful. The hypnotism of life is very strong. The gravitational pull of life is very strong. It's trying to suck us down into that funnel. It's trying to suck our force out of eternity into now, into this timeline where it can bleed it off and keep us prisoners on the projector, spinning, going over and over and over again. This kind of work produces right conditions for the growth of essence, giving yourself the first conscious shock, creating new force by not identifying and for not identifying. We've got to get into the Petri dish where the shift can occur from the unreal to the real, from the personality to the essence. And the Petri dish is not in life. It's above us. We've got to get into the Petri dish. But you've got to want it because you go where you you go where the things you love are. If the things you love are in time, that's where you will end up. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You've got to have your treasure somewhere else. Because it's counter to life, there's a struggle. There's a, there's a division. Because where the work finds us is in life, on the timeline, there's a struggle. We're stuck like in flypaper. And it's got to be a powerful vacuum cleaner to suck us off of that, that flypaper, especially without ripping our legs off. You know, we got to get out of here somehow. But see, as, as long as we're clinging to something here, it'll rip our arms off. It'll dismember us. We don't want to be dismembered. We're already dismembered by life from hanging on to this in the past and that in the future. And then they both go different ways and we're ripped and we're fragmented. Rather than increase what we are, which is personality's way, we allow the new man to emerge. We go from one to two to one. In life, we're one. Yeah, I'm one. This is me. Sign my name here. James Parkinson. I'm, I live at this address. This is my driver's license. This is my picture. This is who I am. Everybody in the world says so. Then we start to observe ourselves. And we see that we're not one. We're many. And through that, we start to develop a sense of our oneness. Our center of gravity begins to be sucked up, as it were, into our essence. We start to become more one there than we were what we thought here, which was imaginary I. And the new man emerges. This is only possible by the light of something other than the sun. See, here, all of our light comes from the sun. But there, all of our light comes from something higher, comes from consciousness, comes from the conscious circle of humanity. What does that mean? It comes from somewhere else. We don't need the light of the sun there. Remember they talk about the New Jerusalem in the Bible. They say, where there's no need for the light of the sun or the moon. Because he's the light. It's like rock and roll, man. That's right on. But we didn't understand it because we're idiots. Because we're going, oh, look, somebody put a light there in the ceiling. No, 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 no. No, man, that's, that's space. No, it's not. I know what it is. You know, People insist on staying there. They're going to stay there. There's nothing you can do about it. Leave them alone. The blind lead the blind. Both will fall into the ditch. Light enables us to distinguish between life influences and the influences coming from higher, from something more conscious. Without this light, man lives and dies a seed, which is then eaten by something lower. The work says, man dies an acorn is eaten by pigs. When you think about that, that could be a very painful matter, couldn't it? So then don't think about it. Just let it go. But understand that without that other light, we're lost. We will not develop. This light isn't generated by us, but rather must be recognized by us. Personality diverts our attention into life, into the light of the sun. But this work attracts our attention. 
of the light coming from higher sources, recognized through essence, not recognized through personality. But we don't know our essence, but you could know. When we develop, we no longer experience life at the level of personality. The earth, conscious man lives at a higher level, the level of the inner light, not the light of the earth's sun, but the light of understanding, the light of consciousness, the light of truth. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.